and welcome to another Matchad podcast with me, Mina, where I invite guests to sit on a yoga mat with me as it were and share thoughts on all things well-being. My intention is to leave you feeling uplifted and empowered. If you want to know more about my yoga teaching and my book, then please visit my website, minablair.com. Well, this time I'm actually doing a solo podcast, which is appropriate given that the subject is self-inquiry, which means that we're asking the question, who am I? Now, I'm perfectly aware that this sounds like another spiritual cliche, doesn't it? But it's actually a really important question. Who am I? And I mean, who am I really? It's been pondered about and explored for thousands of years by human beings from all cultures, so it can't be that irrelevant, I'm thinking. In fact, I'd say it's probably more relevant now than ever. And I revisit this subject every now and then, but it came up quite strongly for me um, when the Queen died and I was observing the public response to her death. And the scenes that we saw were of people um, crying and obviously feeling quite impacted by this news, by this event, Um, people feeling distressed and disturbed by it. And the word constant kept coming up in terms of describing what the Queen represented to them and that that was a huge part of their sense of loss. In other words, what they felt that they had lost was a constant. Now, this is really interesting because the reality is we never knew the Queen. I mean, like the actual person, the Queen. Um, She spent her life being queen-like as she defined it, which my impression in any case was being traditional, uh, representing no change and very much cultivating an aura of mystery. You know, there was a certain kind of reverence, wasn't it, of the Queen. And I can see why people picked up this sense of constancy because of, of that feeling. But as with all icons... It's not who they actually are that we see. It's what we project onto them. So I would imagine that that would be things like reliability or dependability, um, predictability, constancy, you know, whatever. And that that feeling, that projection onto the icon it acts as an anchor. You know, it's a connection that makes us feel grounded. It feels reassuring. But the thing is, is that there is another source of constancy that's with each of us in every moment. And that's where self-inquiry can help. So to find it and to connect with it and to raise our self-awareness This is what self-inquiry is. So what I've done is that I've devised a a little exercise that I invite you to do now with me. And uh, all you need is a pen 
and some paper, piece of paper. But actually, if you don't have a pen and paper to hand or you're not feeling like you want to in, be involved in that way, then you can also just listen. That's okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use an imaginary person uh, as an example, but you refer to yourself as we go through this exercise. So the first thing that we're going to write down on the top of this piece of paper is your name. So my imaginary person is called John. And we are given our names. When you come to think about it, we don't choose our name. We were told by our parents what our name is. So we were told, in effect, who we are. So in your case, it'll be your name. And for this example, it's going to be John. And the second thing we're going to write down is um, your gender. So this is the gender that you feel that you are. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of um, social talk about what gender means. So if you could just write down what gender means for you, then that would be great. So for John, he is male and he refers to himself as a man. Next, we are going to define our family status. So maybe you are an only child or maybe you have some siblings. So if you just note what that is for you. So for John, he is the oldest of three sons, which makes him a brother to two others. Then we're going to consider our ethnicity as you define it. Again, this is as you define it. So, for example, John, my imaginary person, he is mixed race. His father is from Scotland and his mother is from Uganda. So you write down whatever words you feel describe you. That could be Caucasian, it could be white, black, whatever. You use what you feel is appropriate. And then we're going to move on to sexual orientation and social status. So that means married, single, in a relationship, same sex or different sex. Okay, so again, whatever it is for you. And John is married to a woman and he has one child, a daughter. So that makes John a husband and a father. We're again going to consider um, our religious affiliation, again, if there is one. So write down that next for you. So for John, he was brought up in a strong Christian faith. But as an adult, he no longer goes to church. John stopped going to church in his teenage years. And he is, though, actually currently exploring Buddhism and what that means, but he probably considers himself to not be religious per se. So you go ahead and note down for you what your, or what you think your religious um, connection is, if any at all, or just leave this blank. We're then going to think about our financial and work status Okay, so again, what, what is your story here? What were you educated as? What is your current job? 
Now, following in his father's footsteps, John studied law at university and he is a practicing solicitor. And after years of hard work, he is determined to be made partner soon. Very important for him. So, obviously, he earns well and considers himself to be probably upper middle class, maybe middle somewhere, middle, upper, but definitely middle class. So he's comfortable, very comfortable financially. So just note what your current status is, work and financial. Next up, we're going to look at physical features. So this obviously defines John and you and me and everybody else. So he happens to be tall. He's over six feet tall. He has light brown skin and he's got dark hair and eyes. Now, he happens to like to keep fit. So he's a healthy weight as John. Um, he's got a muscular physique, likes to go running and so on. So um, that would summarize his physical features. So just note down just roughly what your physical features are and the way you want to describe them. Next up is our mental attitude. So what I mean by that is your thinking style, your thinking approach. Um, so maybe it helps with John as an example here. So John is he's a highly focused, determined and goal orientated type of thinker. So once he sets his sights on something, nothing gets in the way of him achieving it. So he always finishes what he starts. Now, others, and perhaps this is you, um, are more sort of go with the flow, perhaps absent-minded. Uh, another example would be um, having trouble concentrating, being easily distracted, a bit of a daydreamer, that kind of person. So, you know, whatever you feel describes your mental attitude. Um, another example would be, uh, someone who keeps changing their mind. You know, you start something and then you get bored, you move on to something else. So just note down what your general thinking mental approach is. Call it that. Your mental style. And then we are going to have a little think about the emotional attitude that describes us. So there are a lot of options here. So have a little think about what you feel applies to you. But here are some examples, some some ranges if you like. So anything from quick to tears to never crying or open-hearted, you know, super open-hearted, laying your heart on your sleeve as it were, to being very closed, very guarded, never show your feelings. Uh, from loving to aloof or maybe even just cold you know emotionally um, from being very huggy you know sort of always hanging on to people being very affectionate to not at all touchy-feely uh, preferring some distance uh, another example would be um, calm being patient uh, to being quick-tempered or angry you know leading with anger so just have a little think about your emotional, just broadly speaking, what your emotional kind of makeup is, your attitude, emotional attitude. 
And so for my imaginary example, John, he happens to be not so comfortable showing his affection outwardly, but he takes his husband and father roles very seriously. So he wants to be strong for his family, you know, he's that kind of strong guy, he wants to be strong for his wife and daughter. But he can actually be playful. His daughter is very instrumental in this. He's got a playful side and he laughs easily. Um, it would take a lot to make John angry, but when he is, it's over like really quickly. He doesn't sort of hold any grudges or anything. So that would kind of describe John's emotional sort of attitude um, very generally. Now, that is probably most of it. We could have added others, maybe some hobbies, and maybe as you've been doing this, you've been thinking of, of other things that describe you, that define you. But we're kind of done with that part of the exercise now. So what you have in front of you on paper is everything that defines you. So just take a moment to reflect on how that exercise felt. Was it easy? Did you write things down super quickly, no problem? Or was it a little tricky? Was it a little difficult? Um, it doesn't really matter. We're just sort of noting the feeling of how that was. Um, but while you do that, I'm going to summarise my imaginary guy, John. So he is defined as male. He's a man. He is a brother. He's heterosexual. He's a husband, a father. He's mixed race, perhaps a Buddhist, but not sure, but definitely not religious. He's a solicitor. He's upper middle class. He's tall with light brown skin and dark hair and eyes. He's physically fit. And he's focused, determined, goal orientated. And emotionally, he's not outwardly affectionate, but he's rarely angry. Okay, so there's quite sort of a lot there, I feel, you know, when you look at someone and all the different aspects and how we think about ourselves and how we also project outwards about who we are and how other people perceive us. But that's pretty much summarizes my imaginary friend, John. Okay, so the next thing that we're now going to do is I'd like you to tear up that piece of paper. Actually scrunch it up, tear it in half or whatever, but just get rid of all those definitions and all the things that you said that you are. So literally wipe the slate clean, blank, nothing on the paper at all, blank sheet. What is left? Are you still here? If you aren't all those things, so just imagine yourself now, not any of those things. You're not husband, father, nothing, just nothing at all. Well, if you aren't all those things that you've written down, then who are you? Now, in this moment, what is going on? Because if you are not your body, if you are not your mind, and if you are not your story, then what is happening right now? It's interesting, isn't it? So I'm thinking, though, that you're breathing. If we take 
all the rest away. Strip it right down and you're still here listening to this podcast. In this moment, you must be breathing. So it would therefore be fair to say, wouldn't it, that you are the breath, right? It's moving in and out regardless of what you wrote down on that paper. In fact, it was happening the whole time that you were writing down those notes. And what is the breath? What does that what does that mean? Well, it's life. It's the life force. It's energy. And we know this to be the case, obviously, because if you're not breathing, you would be dead. And when a living thing stops breathing, it does indeed die. And that can be human, animal, plant, anything that breathes. When it stops breathing, it then dies. So if we are still breathing then, and we've just thrown out all these definitions about who we think we are and and so on, this would suggest that actually... What it it's more than suggests, what it actually means is that we are all ultimately the life force. We are energy. And as long as we're breathing, that can't be taken away. And that's your constant. That's the source of your grounding and of your very being. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. So, you see, that icons, monarchs come and go, loved ones come and go, institutions come and go, but you, as long as you are breathing, you are always connected to this earth and to the universal energy. Now, isn't that great? I mean... I find this really reassuring and life-affirming. So, ultimately, there's no need then, is there, to project onto others and feel like your life and who you are depends on others and also how they perceive you, how you define yourself, how others define yourselves. At the end of the day, none of that actually matters And this knowing is particularly important for those who do feel disturbed or destabilized or wobbly in any way by change, by loss and by endings. I mean, that really is important. Now, I have to be honest, right? It took me a while to really get this, to trust it and to embody it. So my story is full of loss and resistance and clinging and not letting go. But, you see, eventually I did get it. And now I really trust it and I embody it. I really try to embody it. But now that I do, I feel so liberated. I feel liberated from fear, from anxiety, from doubt And I can live my life fully in the ongoing present moment. Because as long as I'm breathing, 
I'm alive and life is precious. It's a gift. And I can just lean into knowing that my life will last however long, but that even that doesn't matter because while I'm here, I am connected to universal energy. It is something that every living organism shares. So all this world of, and you see it in the news headlines, God, I hate the headlines, the news. It's full of of fear-mongering and judgment and doom and gloom, mostly. And it sort of distracts us, doesn't it? All this hang hanging up on on status and who who we are and the how many cars we have and what kind of car and the size of our house and all these things and the money the money that everybody's focused on it is all distraction it is all a huge distraction and it takes us away from this deeper knowing this connection this universal connection that we all have And that's why it's important to really understand this. Now, like I said, I learned this the hard way. I had to go through some suffering. I had to have some things taken away. And often this is the universe's way of giving you that opportunity to learn who you really are. Because we're not going to do it willingly because we're so distracted with all this stuff. All the things we think we need to be and all the things that we think are important but they aren't. And it's when we're properly shaken up that we then hopefully can understand that actually that is just all illusion, it's all distraction, and we are something much more. And when you know that, life just becomes so beautiful, so wonderful, and so joyous. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that little exercise and that you got something from it. But, you know, if you have any questions or want to say something more about it, then, you know, do get in touch. Uh, Send me an email through my website or follow me, send me a message on social media. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram as Empowered with Mina. And on that note, I hope you do feel empowered having listened to my podcast. So I hope you continue to have a lovely day or a lovely evening. All the best.